Hello, Kryptonauts. Welcome back to another cryptocurrency chat. This is really exciting today because we have a really cool person on for you today. And I hope you're going to be really interested in listening to what he has to say. Just a neat concept of a person that this individual has for both halves of, I guess, halves of his political and, and professional life. But it'll be really interesting to see. So... Thank you for joining. My name is Jake Jabberilli, and I'm co-hosting today with Blockchain John and Cryptonaut Mike. Today on the podcast, we have Bruce Frenton, the crypto advocate and candidate for the United States Senate in New Hampshire. This is so super exciting. So, Bruce, I'd like to uh, start us off here with uh, your favorite ice, the icebreaker, rather, of what is your favorite vacation destination? Well, thanks a lot for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, you know, I'm a simple guy. And, you know, first of all, it's a funny question for me because I, I am really, really blessed with how the kind of travel I've gotten to do all over the world. And and I have a very unusual kind of uh, problem. And this is this is like the, the, the most first world problem anybody's ever had. So I used to work for some really, really, really wealthy folks. And I spent months and months and months on the road at really, really, really fancy hotels. Actually, believe it or not, this sounds crazy, but they, they're, they're kind of too fancy. Like there's, you can get to a point where it's a little much to have people kind of like always serving you. And, and honestly, I, if I had my choice, I would choose like a regular nice hotel. I mean, I don't mind a nice hotel. Don't get me wrong. But there's a certain category that's kind of like over the top. <laughs> and I used to I used to go there because my clients were there. I used to go. I used to basically live at these things. They're not meant for that. It's fun for a few weeks. But after a few months, it's it's just it's 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 not that fun. So I actually <laughs> I actually don't like real fancy places. And I still I'm so blessed now I have the opportunity. I get invited to real fancy places. But believe it or not, I actually don't like the, the super fancy places. Same with restaurants. Same reason. I kind of I'm kind of like a Chili's guy. You know, like if you, I don't really want to go to the, I don't want to go to a Michelin, ah, Michelin stars are okay, but I, I really don't, it's not my thing. I'd probably rather go and get, get some tacos or burritos or a, a nice a cheeseburger. So for my favorite vacation, <clears throat> I like something like, uh, you know, one of my favorite places is like Club Med down in Florida. It's like just a very basic Club Med, very family friendly. It's, you know, I mean, everybody has a different budget. I remember the first time we went, it was like very expensive for us, but it's usually, you know, it's kind of a budget place. And, you know, going down there, having some burgers, going to Disney World, something simple like that. That's, and, you know, I, of all the places I've been blessed and been able to travel all over the world, Asia, Middle East, Europe, everything, you know, kind of, kind of simple is probably what I would choose. And yeah. I think that's probably what my next vacation will be, honestly. Uh, Whenever all this campaign stuff is done, after I win in November, I'll uh, maybe I'll squeeze in a little simple Disney vacation or something with the family. That's awesome. Yeah, that's that's cool. I do. I mean, I have personally been blessed to have grown up in California, one of, the, in my opinion, prettiest places. I've been to the East Coast too, but uh, and have family back there, so it's good. I'm glad that your uh, simple vacation is a good one. I appreciate that. So uh, let me just get a little bit of our stuff out of the way. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Of course, C3 Media. Uh, you can please check out our coin tree of all places you can donate to support the channel. We sincerely appreciate it. Also, uh, check us out on Discord. Uh, for our, of course, you can see our Discord here. Please come sign up if you'd like to hear more information about things like these interviews. Uh, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and Odyssey. We always are promoting Odyssey because it's blockchain-based, and you can always catch our content there completely ad-free. Never see an ad, no YouTube stuff, no ads whatsoever, because Odyssey is blockchain-based. 
So check us out there if you would like to catch up with us. We're also doing t-shirts. You can check them out on shop.jabberelli.com. That is a way to check out the C3 Media t-shirts, stack sets, and HODL. So um, let's just get into the introduction here of our wonderful guest. Bruce is an investor, an entrepreneur, and an enthusiast for Bitcoin. I was corrected about that. Cryptocurrency in particular, but he's it seems to be a Bitcoin maximalist. He is a world traveler, as he has mentioned, having spent many years in Middle East and Asia serving his clients. Bruce served in the U.S. Navy for two years then worked as the vice president for Morgan Stanley, providing wealth management for global investing, handling over $4 billion worth of assets. So he definitely knows his money, and that will be useful for his Senate um, race. And, well, once, once he's elected. He founded Atlantic Financial, becoming the first full-service investment firm to use the Internet. Awesome. Uh, that's good to hear back in the 90s. Then in 2015, Bruce became the executive director for the Bitcoin Foundation, a nonprofit founded in Washington, D.C. area whose mission was to clean up the reputation of Bitcoin after such scandals as Mt. Gox and Silk Road. He's also a lifetime member of that foundation. He co-founded the Satoshi Foundation Private Blockchain Retreat and is the organizer of the Dubai Bitcoin Conference. So, recently... Uh, Bruce serves as a managing director for Chainstone Labs and, of course, is a candidate for the U.S. Senate in New Hampshire. So, Bruce, to get you started, because we always like to kind of go back in time to get a feel for where things started with you. I know I already gave a, a brief history. Um, what were you doing before you heard about crypto? We know it was finance, but, I mean, really, how did you get into finance in the beginning? Yeah, so I, um, I got into finance because my mom was in the business. Uh, starting when I was a little kid. So I kind of grew up on the floor of a brokerage firm and I got my first job there, at, my first real job. I worked as a little kid, but uh, by 14, I had kind of a real job and then I got licensed at 19 and uh, you know, I've been registered licensed ever since. So I've had a long career, gotten to do all kinds of neat things from you know, working with regular mom and pop retail investors, small investors, large investors, all the way up to some of the very largest investors in the world. And that's where the travel came in. I was kind of a big picture economic advisor working for you know, big funds and uh, private equity groups and things like that. And I would travel all over the world and uh, you know, top, top levels of economics. And uh, so that's kind of what I was doing when I got into Bitcoin. I, I sort of gave up some pretty uh, lucrative, good career opportunities to jump into, into Bitcoin. I, ironically, back then, uh, it's funny, my clients were too large. They couldn't really invest. I should have just kept in touch with all them and i probably would have built a nine dig size company by now but you know uh it just i didn't you know it didn't really seem a fit at the time it was just so early with bitcoin i figured it would be a long time before and it was you know it was it was uh, you know seven eight years before that you know that market kind of matured to the point that those big billion dollar investors are interested in it so so yeah that's my background basically investment and caring a lot about freedom and human rights and civil liberties and these kind of things that's that's been my you know, my main focus for, for a long time. So I guess I kind of answered my second question because I was trying to figure out what led you to crypto, but maybe you could elaborate on that because, I mean, you have a finance background, but, I mean, the number of times I've, I've seen your videos and you know, follow your Twitter um, and a lot of the stuff you say is, it seems to me, like Bitcoin's the answer to the problems we've been having with fiat. Could you elaborate on that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's very interesting because, Politics and crypto have merged now. There, there's a lot of overlap, and for a lot of different reasons. But one of the most important is money, and that motivates me in both ways. Prior to Bitcoin, 
I was kind of a gold bug, you know, not a super gold bug, but I definitely believed I liked Peter Schiff, actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's, he's a great speaker on this and has been and he still is. You know, he's very good on a lot. Of, he's, he's It's amazing how wrong he is on Bitcoin and crypto, but he, he's quite right about almost everything else. He's really a, he was one of my favorite followers before. Um, but, you know. The, the, you know, these properties I agreed with, you know, that you need sound money and that this never ending printing is unsustainable. Folks like Peter and I were talking about that back in 2008 and stuff. I, I, I ran into him in Saudi Arabia and we were chatting about it. Uh, you know, we both shared the same philosophy back then uh, that this, uh, you know, reckless printing of new money is totally unsustainable. I think we ran into each other in like 2008, 2009, right? Right. Right. When they were doing all this tarp nonsense. Right. Um, and uh, so. So, so when I came across Bitcoin and found out that it had uh, limited supply, that was a big selling point for me. And, you know, the, just the overall idea that money is broken is something that is really important to me. Uh, that is, it's a very important thing in the world. It, it's something that we don't think enough about. But in my opinion, the broken money is responsible for a, a lot of evil actual evil you know as i got older in life and had some success and kind of looked at the world and figured out you know what's important i got down to fundamental questions about good versus evil what can i do to be a good man in the world what can i do to make the world better what is wrong with the world and those big questions led me to you know reinforce my belief even more that it really is about the money the most evil things in the world are usually the result of fiat money war death you know mass destruction uh governments killing their own people right you know for-profit prisons you know these are great evils so and bitcoin does represent a solution to that you know we have a solution and that's a big deal it's a bigger deal than politics it's much bigger than anything i could do in the united states senate or any other office it's it's about the people and that's a big deal so i'm excited about that yeah i've noticed that you had a um, i'm not trying to bring up anything you did write a lot of good material over the years um, from your time in the last 20 years on uh, i think you had a, a website previously called the fenton report and i've read a lot of that i mean the site's not up anymore but um I, I feel like some of that has your opinions were clearly stated um and uh i it's clear from all the media that you've presented that uh you have a very good focus and you're very clear about your I mean, it's a practical thing to say for for a senator candidate or a Senate candidate um, to make sure you stick to your brand. Um, but it's obvious to me that you have done that with everything you've said in the last two decades. That Bitcoin, I mean, obviously Bitcoin hasn't been around that long, but uh, it's pretty clear with what you've said in the past that even now you're still saying the same thing that you've said before that this needs to change. When is it going to change? As soon as you get a chance to help change it. So I would ask um, what factors, and I think it's obvious at this point, uh, led you to decide to run for U.S. Senate? US Senate in yeah, thanks. Uh, well, first of all, I, you know, it's great that you mentioned Fenton Report. I appreciate the shout out because it's funny you mentioned that because just a week or two ago, I was sitting down with one of the uh, web guys and I said, you know, I got to get that old content up. And they, we, they, they've been working on restoring a lot of that because I, I did exactly what you did. I remembered now that I'm running for office. You know, funny thing is I got kind of private and I'll get to why I'm running in a second. But I, b- before this, around 2016, 17, a lot of folks who know me or listening would, would know that I kind of got low profile. I stopped accepting public speaking engagements. I just 
stopped going to conferences. At one point, I even grayed out my Twitter and changed it to a name. So it was the only people who knew my name would have followed me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and and I didn't have my photo online. And I had a big beard and longer hair. <laughs> and I was just kind of being private and, 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 and hidden. Um, and, uh, oh, sorry, what was my point on that? Um, I was going to tell privacy? you something. something about privacy, maybe? Or no, I don't. Did you have something else going on with that? Okay, well. Um. <laughs> well, anyway, the reason the re- so the reason that I'm running, it, so I came out of that kind of you know I'll I'll remember what the point I was I was going to say on that. So I came out of that sort of um, you know private kind of uh, world, and I decided to run for office because it's you know, basically where our world is right now. And I think that we're, and this is kind of what I was getting at, you know, we're in this point of good versus evil. You know, we're in this this situation where I think that, you know, fiat and a lot of the things broadly going on with government are actually evil. And that's really significant. So it's a time, it's a very important time for us as humans and us as Americans to get this right. And I care a lot about our country. And we did a lot of good things. You know, the way that we set up the original constitution and bill of rights, our checks and balances system, you know, we, our, our respect for public, you know, private property rights, uh, our respect for self-defense, you know, these, these kind of things are, are good. And they've made America a great nation. And we need to embrace that. We need to, you know, em- embrace those core concepts of the Constitution and liberty and freedom and everything. And, um, uh, and, 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 uh, you, you, you know, like not, and we have to reject the the tyranny and the control and the centralized planning and everything. So, so anyway, that's but but what was oh yeah well, your your original thing what reminded me what you said about Fent Report. So so during this time, I kind of took everything down. I kind of went low profile online, mm-hmm. and uh, and then it was just a couple weeks ago. I remembered. I said, yeah, you know what? I think I wrote a lot of good stuff for Fent Report. And sure enough, I went back and I did what you did. I I had stuff going back. I was kind of impressed myself, and some of my old videos are kind of funny, too. There's videos from 13, 14, 15 years ago where I'm talking about TARP and bailouts and yep. same exact stuff I'm talking about now. Some of them are like the same talking points. You know, if it works, I keep saying it. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of got a kick out of that when I when I saw those things. But, um, so, yeah, I mean, that was the thing. I, I was kind of low-key, leave-me-alone person, but th- they shook the, uh, you know, they, sh- they shook the country too much, and they pushed too far, so now... You know, hopefully the more of the leave me alone people are going to get angry yep. and we're going to go and take our country back. I agree with that. That's a very, very good point of making. In fact, I wasn't thinking of it so much, but I will admit that at one point I personally decided, uh, what was it, 20, 2018, I decided I wanted to run for local government. I didn't get very far at all. Um, but I really appreciate that when you get hit with a passionate point, you're like, this can't go on. This can't. And you're so passionate. And we watched a uh, Mike and John and myself have all watched your most recent video where you're, you're talking with all the um, other Republican candidates for the Senate. Um, and your voice seems the most powerful. You're, you're very much in the face of those other four uh, men. And just kept being like, look, we have to do something about all these different issues. And, and w- if not the only way to do this is by changing the system. And we have to start immediately. I mean, maybe I'm paraphrasing what you're saying. You might agree, but it may not. May not. But um, I appreciate your passion. I appreciate your uh, conviction, and I think that will definitely help in your in your Senate uh, candidacy. So my my final question, at least of this so far, is how can and I'm sure you have a lot to say on this crypto itself, if not Bitcoin, change or improve 
the U.S. government and the lives of its citizens? Well, you know, the big thing is the root. It's the big, the, the nine million pound gorilla. The root of all of it is the money and the money's broken. Politicians broke it. They, they give you this phony printed thing with people's photo, you know, dead president pictures on it. And they tell you it's money and then they print a bunch more and give it to their cronies. And that's not money. It's, it's, it, it's just a scam. It used to be money. And year after year for the last 50 years, they've made it less and less money. And it's not backed by anything. It's just a, it's just a scam that's living on the fumes of what it used to be, which it, it was backed by gold, uh, you know, 50 years ago. And so that is a fundamental, a fundamental thing. Now, as far as how can government embrace that, there are a lot of people who say, well, that would be great. Let's get the government, you know, buying Bitcoin and holding Bitcoin and paying its bills with Bitcoin, accepting taxes in Bitcoin and having Bitcoin registration and legislation and Bitcoin this. and Bitcoin. No, I just want them out of our way. I'd want them to just fade away into irrelevance. You know, I don't, I don't think the, the highest goal is to get a government to buy Bitcoin. The highest goal is to get the government to leave us all along. Let us buy whatever the heck we want. That's what the role of government should be. And that's what I would do if I'm sent down there. I'll fight consistently to just get these people out of our lives. Just know all the time on all these stupid bills, every time they're trying to do government expansion of their power and uh, increasing tyranny and, you know, movement passes and ministries of truth and every single time, all of it, no, 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 no. Thousand page bills that you don't have time to read, no. Just consistently, no. The only things I'd vote yes for are things that are deregulatory or, you know, certain examples of, you know, national defense and, you know, real, real stuff. The real stuff is what they should be doing. But, you know, most of what they've done uh, is terrible and uh, most of the laws should be reversed. You know, I'd like to scrap 90 percent of them. And here's the crazy thing. We are in such crazy times that someone like me is exactly sort of what you need down there, a disruptor. You know, somebody said earlier, they said, what, you know, what would you what would be your dream bill? And I, I said kind of jokingly, oh, I'd cut, you know, 15 different agencies in, in one paragraph in a yeah. bill. Just here's these these agencies are abolished and defunded. And I kind of chuckled about it. Well, that would never happen. And then I said, well, wait a minute. I, I can't actually say that because we are in such unprecedented, crazy, epic times that anything can happen. I mean, we absolutely, we're basically bankrupt. I mean, would it really shock us if the United States is bankrupt in two years and we have to shut down 15 agencies? <laughs> I mean, that's a bad reason to do it, but it, but Not at least at we'd have that outcome. We're going to, because, because eventually this is unsustainable. It's going to happen either this year, next year, 10 years. Well, I mean, it's not going to go on for, for another 10 years like this. You know, we're, th something's going to pay the piper. And uh, so it's significant time. So sort of anything could happen and I could end up doing anything down there. And that's that's all the more reason where why it's so important to send somebody like me down there in these crazy epic times. Yeah, I think I think you and I have a similar background. And I mean, I was I was raised Republican, but um, the I'm not anything at the moment. But I, we've also lived in a similar time. I, I think you and I are close in age. And so we kind of lived through the Reagan era. We lived through the, the uh, Bush senior and the Clinton, the Clinton era. And of course, the last 20 years, we all, most, most people who are of voting age are aware of that to some degree, even if they were children in the last 20 years. Um, but uh, I feel like uh, getting, it does feel like a lot of things have changed. What they said uh, with the interest rates haven't been this high from the Fed since we were kids, you and I, um, since the 70s. It's really quite insane. A lot of things that seem to be happening feel it feels. I'm not saying this is what's happening, but it feels sometimes like it's the collapse of the of, of the Roman Empire. And if we don't fix it, it it's just going to burn. 
And I don't want that to happen. I don't think anybody of us wants that to happen. Land of the free. We we need to be free. <laughs> so um, I don't. I'm not sure if my ideals are explicitly libertarian, but I definitely feel sometimes that well, I identify with the ideals to some degree. Your comment on the Roman Empire is an important one because, and I say this often, we are in times of epic change. Yeah. These are not normal times right now. These are times of epic change. It's a very weird time right now. Mm -hmm. So it is the collapse of something. It's the collapse of our old way of life. And we have these cycles every century or so where everything changes. Money changes, systems change, borders change, everything changes. And that's what we're in right now. So that's happening. And we don't know how big the change is. Some, some sort of fourth turning times like this are more epic than others, but they're always epic. A hundred years ago, I mean, we're going to see borders change. We're going to see you know, even language change and certainly money change radically. Religion is changing a little bit, maybe change a lot. I mean, we know it's going to be a big deal because we're, we're in it. And there's a great book called The Fourth Turning, which kind of studied this. And it was written, you know, 30 years ago. And it sort of predicted it happening right around now. I said, hey, every hundred years or so this happens. Get ready. Mid 2020. <laughs> and sure enough, here it is. So it's especially good book now. But uh, and there's other historians that have looked into this concept. I mean, it, you don't have to be a, a rocket scientist to see that over time, in there's many points in history, like 100 years ago, where, boom, everything changed. They, they you know, people who grew up with a horse, uh, never seen an engine, find themselves on the battlefields of France with getting mustard gas and, and planes and tanks flying around. So uh, the world changes radically and significantly. And we're in that right now. Look at yes. what's changed in the last two years. I mean, and but we're just in the beginning of it. This is going to be nth order effects on top of nth order effects. You got supply chain and economics and a meltdown of of work and systems and, and employment and all kinds of fundamental things are breaking. And clearly the money is already broken and there's also geopolitical turmoil. So there's a lot going on right now. So we don't know how significant, but it is very significant and it could be, it could be really significant. I mean, we could have revol you know, religious revolution and all kinds of other crazy things that just completely changed the world as we know it. Or we could have, you know, two or three decades of darkness and turmoil where, you know, we, we become an authoritarian state and everything breaks down. I mean, you know, anything's possible. Yeah. Um, one of the things that you mentioned in your uh, commentary, you know, obviously uh, from your actual uh, Twitter and from other uh, videos that you've made, whether it's been an interview or um, a debate like you had recently, um, a commentary about BlackRock. And I, I have a question from uh, Mike. Do you want to read your question about BlackRock or do you want me to read it? Yeah. Hi, Bruce. Thanks for coming on. It's really cool to have you while you're running for Senate. Thanks for having me. Yeah. My, my question, you're kind of talking about your what you bring to the table is the power of saying you got a no vote. Once you get elected and you're a senator, how will you deal with your coworkers that are heavily involved with BlackRock? The obstacles they're going to put up. Yeah, they're not going to like me down there. <laughs> Nobody's going to like me other than a handful of people. Uh, there are some real good folks down there, people like you know Rand Paul and Thomas Massey and these kind of folks. But you know, in general, the swamp's not going to like me. They don't like me already. And the more of a threat I am, the more they dislike me. So, uh, you know, as far as how I deal with my colleagues now, here's the, here's the thing. I would I would try and be civil and courteous. And I do love building bridges. You know, I, I'd love to find common ground. I'd love to find common ground with, you know, Senator Warren or, you know, AOC in Congress or or anybody, you know, people that I disagree with. I, I You know, there's got to be something we agree with. Mm -hmm. You know, I, 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 AOC is, is Congress, not Senate. But she had something that she'd mentioned, uh, accredited investor rules being unfair. And I'm like, hey, 
that's great. You know, I'd love to, I, you know, or somebody like Elizabeth Warren, who's in the Senate, if, if she agreed with that, and we could do a bill together, you know, hey, that's progress. If there's anything deregulatory, I mean, a lot of them want to see, um, you know, reductions of government power in some ways. Uh, you know, I'd like to, I'd like to bridge, you know, with the left. But here's the thing, because we're in such interesting times, again, anything can happen. So I, I am afraid and worried that we are going to end up in such turmoil economically or geopolitically that it the ideas will actually matter it'll actually matter that, that you know unfortunately we could be facing something where you know elizabeth warren is worried about her family's safety worried about her own food because we're in such a dire straits or you know china invades taiwan or something like that and we 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 and then the magnitude of this becomes more apparent and maybe even some of the folks who've been you know kind of worried about you know which packs are going to support them and all of this stuff re recognize that at the end of the day this is america we got to get this stuff right and uh if the if the magnitude of the situation is serious enough then you know we, we really can do some bipartisan things i really could reach out to the elizabeth warrens if it, if it's if it's dire enough she may not listen to me on something like a bitcoin bill but, uh, you know, if, if it's something that, that the entire future of the nation is at stake, and I do think that the, that's the way it is. I think our nation is at stake. We have a lot of threats to it. And I think that, you know, even a lot of the Democrats that I strongly disagree with, you know, they, if they could be, I'd like to have them see, see what, why I believe what I believe. You know, so that's how I'd like to deal with my colleagues down there. I think uh, along those exact lines that you just mentioned, sorry, Mike, if you had something further to say. I said it's great. Okay. Um, the... Thank you. Uh, along the lines of what Elizabeth Warren and particularly Bernie Sanders are generally speaking about, it seems, is this regulation of crypto. And I'm sure you have a very strong opinion about that as well, because you've been doing this for a while and you have a, a background in finance. Um, how how would you address Gary Gensler's uh, aggressive stance? I mean, it's been it's been very vague, despite the fact that they keep pushing companies on on uh, cryptocurrency and bitcoin how would you address that if need be yeah you know i think overall we need re less regulations not more i wouldn't be in favor of any new federal regulations on cryptocurrencies of any kind including bitcoin including everything else and securities is an interesting one because i've been securities registered for 30 years so i understand the sec quite well i'm governed by them and I'd like to see it, you know, reformed. I've, I've, I've said dismantled before, which is probably a little strong and not that realistic, but, you know, certainly significant reforms. You know, a lot of the general idea that we need a nanny state looking over us, telling people what they can invest in and what they can't mm -hmm. is absurd. Like, why? I mean, what is the what is the argument? Well, they're going to keep it safe. No, they're not. They haven't kept it safe for 85 years. They haven't, exactly. you know, things aren't any more safe here than they are anywhere else. It's not like, oh, yeah, America, that's where you go and you can't lose money. <laughs> no, I mean, in, investments, and they know that. I mean, the SEC knows that. I mean, all their disclosures, I mean, everything says, you know, you can lose money. And and so, you know, it's it would be, be it would be preferable to just let the markets work. I'm not convinced that they do much good. Um, you know, as far as regulators go, they're one of the least bad, honestly. I mean, you know, they're quite bad, and I wish that they didn't even exist. But there's a whole mess of other ones that are much worse and much more expensive. The SEC is tiny by government standards, but there's a lot of others that are, you know, quite large and invasive and are in, you know, interfering with more businesses and more more people's lives. So I, I'd be in favor of cutting them all. Um, in it, With the SEC specifically, we should make it so that it's much easier for people to raise money and trade their stocks. And they've done a little bit of that with improvements in Reg CF and other rules, but uh, we need to do a lot more. So along those lines as well, I'm, I'm 
I don't really have an explicit question of this, but you know how the, the FDIC is supposed to protect people in their investments, or well, in their savings at least. Um, do you feel, and you've just stated it pretty clearly, that you want less regulation. Of course, I agree with that, actually. Um, one of the things that bothers me is I can't become accredited because I don't make enough money and I don't have enough stockpile of cash. But from the standpoint of a person who just wants to do something with the little that they have, maybe 10 bucks or 100 bucks, you can't do accredited investing because they don't know, well, you're not big enough. Who cares about you? Um, and I would say that you would probably agree that with less regulation means that people can do with as they wish with their money because, hey, it's their money. Who Who is the government to step in and say, sorry, you can't invest that $100? Um, yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm, I'm totally against those rules. It's not the government's business at all. I don't think we should have accredited investor rules or we shouldn't have AML, KYC rules or any of these other things. I mean, it's a it's a transaction between two people. And in the beginning of my career, you could buy stocks just like you could buy a television at Walmart. You didn't need your ID. You didn't need your ID to buy stocks. You could just call up your broker and buy stocks and you could you 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 had to pay within a week. So you could just call up on the phone and say, "Hey, I'll take 100 shares of IBM." And they'll say, "Okay, 3300 bucks. Pay by pay, it's Monday. Give me give me the money by Monday." You know, oh. you'd have a week to pay. And all they needed was your name and address. They didn't even need your date of birth. They didn't need your. They didn't take your social, and they didn't take your driver's license. Right. And now we have an entire generation of young people who don't know that that's the way it was just a little while ago. I mean, I'm not that old. You know, exactly. this is in, this exactly. is in my career. So, <laughs> right. so how, now we have billions and billions of dollars and all this waste and all this hassle because of AML KYC. And it's like, why? That's none of your business. Exactly. Who are you guys? You guys are supposed to be serving us. It's not your business to be up in our our you know business like oh yes. you're accredited you're not accredited you can offer this you can't offer this you got to file form bd and form c and form cf and all that no get out of our business you're supposed to work for us give us our money back and go home right. that's what right. i feel about these clowns this this kind of leads into the, the question uh, blockchain john and i have our our podcast uh twice weekly on wednesday and sunday and we do talk about this particular next question and i know it wasn't in the original list but it relates to what we're talking about, regulation, SEC, et cetera, within um, how the government is running things. And we and I know you have strong feelings about this. You've already said. Um, it has been talk, and I don't know where the SEC is on their development on this, but how do you feel about CBDCs? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's something I talk about a lot. I think it's a very, very dangerous thing. You know, so central bank digital currency, CBDCs, enable government to issue a cryptocurrency like thing it's certainly not like bitcoin because it's government and sent totally centralized but they're able to issue these digital tokens that represent money and it's central bank money so it's real dollars or dirhams or reals or pounds or whatever and the problem with that is that it gives politicians total and complete control over money they can shut off the money if somebody says something they don't like or does something they don't like they can shut the money off. And that power, no matter how closely they say they're going to restrict it or anything else, that power is not a power we can allow government to have. We cannot, and de Democrats and Socialists and Antifa and Republicans and Rednecks and right-wingers have all got to stand shoulder to shoulder on this issue or we are all lost. We cannot have a society or a system where politicians can shut off money period doesn't matter whether it's nancy, nancy pelosi or donald trump no or anthony fauci or rand paul no politician should have the power 
to shut off. And Rand Paul is the one who wouldn't want the power of, of that list. But no politician should have the power to shut off our money. And because in a digital world, that's game over. In a digital world, think about it. Think about if they just shut off your money. Not, not shut off your bank accounts. Your actual dollars are no good anymore. Like they're dead on the blockchain. You know, the, they burned your private keys, so to speak. Think about that. Think about that power in a digital world like your actual bank account. I mean, no, nothing would work. You wouldn't even be able to have Netflix. We wouldn't be able to have this telephone conversation. You don't have Internet. You got nothing. They shut off your money in this world and say your money's bad. Uh, you know, Susan's money's bad. Tony's money's bad. That's it. And you know how they'll do it. You know they'll do it that way. And the first thing they'll do is they'll say, well, it's only terrorists. Well, yeah. And then what? Then what? You you know who's going to be a terrorist? You know they they there was a list that said the John Birch Society is a terrorist. It's like a, it's like a group of elderly conservatives. You know, I mean, it, like come on, come on. You know, we we can never ever ever. I don't care where you are on the political spectrum. Um, and this is something I would try and find common ground. I mean, I don't care who you are, Elizabeth Warren or whatever. I would sit down. I'd say, come on, you know. You, you know, human to human, let's talk this out here. Like, you, you got to see. I, I know you got your deal and you got your motivation. You got your supporters and you're doing your thing. And what do I know about that? But you can't allow this. Cannot, cannot, cannot. CBDCs are, are uh, you know, a step too far. Too much too much power in the hands yeah, of politicians. Exactly. That's that, that we, I think we would agree with you on wholeheartedly that CBDCs, <clears throat> although I'm quite certain that the U.S. will probably still pursue it, um, and either find something they can use to manipulate, just my opinion. But um, <clears throat> I guess the thing that comes to mind is a, a quote from a movie that I particularly like, V for Vendetta, uh, that says governments or people should not be afraid of their, their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. So um, along those lines, I would like to ask another question that Mike had. I don't know if Mike wants to pose it himself, but it comes into uh, kind of like financial crimes of, of politicians. Mike, do you want to state what you said in that question? Um, yeah. I, so I was wondering, there's, there's a different standard of punishment for politicians versus regular citizens when it comes to certain crimes like insider trading. Would you try to make the board more equal as senator? Yeah, you asked a great question, and I've asked, I've been asked that similar question many times. But you're, the way you asked it was perfect, making it equal. I'd like to make it equal. I wouldn't like to have these laws for anybody. I mean, insider trading is another kind of weird law. It's like, who's the victim? Like, okay, yeah, the fat cats are getting an advantage over the other people. It's like, okay, and like, why do we need mother government involved in that? I mean, if you want, if you care about that as an investor, you should have a disclosure, and you should say, hey. Are you trading on material insider information? And if the company says no, and they do it anyway, well, that's fraud. And then you have a fraud case against them. We don't really need mother government involved in that. So I would like to see the pl the playing field even, but not by punishing. You know, because because somebody just a, just some hours ago they said, would you, would you like to to punish the Congress members more? And I you know I. I, I don't think that that's the solution. I think we need less laws, less regulations. I do sympathize because a lot of people are, are saying, you know, they have the impression that, you know, these people are a bunch of crooks. And in many ways, they are. Um, but, uh, you know, I'd be cautious about because you could also use it as uh, a, a weapon. You know, you don't want to have financial weapons that could be used in a situation where you could start manipulating votes or something like that and, and saying, you know, hey, this person can't own their own business because it's, it's insider trading or whatever. You know what I mean? 
-hmm. Exactly. So speaking to what we were talking about earlier about the power of politicians, can you expand more on the importance of the filibuster and what you're going to be doing on July 18th? Yeah, so the filibuster is a, a unique power that the U.S. Senate, or the, you know, in the U.S. Senate, where you, if a, if a senator has the floor and they keep talking, um, you, they can't take the floor away from them. So it can delay things. It can change things. And uh, it's been used many times in history. Rand Paul did a very successful and well-known filibuster. Uh, not sure how many years. It feels like 10 years ago, but I'm not sure. Uh, I think his was 14 hours. Um the record is a little over 24 hours and basically it's just a long speech. You know, there's been a lot of them that are in like the nine hour range, you know, a Senator will just filibuster and that just means they just keep on talking and, and uh, either don't yield the floor. Or they may yield quickly for a question, but they have to be careful to make sure that the pe person asking the question is a friend because other, you know, if it, they wouldn't give it to somebody else, because then they could take the floor. Um, so, so yeah, so that's what a filibuster is. And it, it is an important power and it's under, uh, threat right now in our country because there's some people who don't like it because it enables one person, one lone wolf like, and it usually is, it often is used when it's only one, one person who feels strongly enough about something like Rand Paul did about drone bombings and stuff. He's like, no, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not doing it. I'm going to stand here for 15 hours if I have to, and I'm not going to vote for it. And that, that uh, makes some waves. It delays legislation. It, it can do a lot of things. So it's a it's an important power and it should be there. So I'm going to give my own filibuster. I'm going to go and speak for several hours and and you know hopefully most of the day or more, and um, I'm just going to talk. I'm going to talk about freedom and I'm going to you know you know just just uh, honor that filibuster. And it's hard to fill time with content. So, I'll, uh, but I'm a pretty good talker. So we'll just see. We're just going to go <laughs> with it and see what happens. And I'm going to have a. You know, it'll be at a hotel around the Manchester area, you know, busy place in New Hampshire. People can stop by and, you know, we'll try and have some food or something and I'll take live questions. You know, I'm trying to be very accessible in this campaign. A lot of candidates are very uh, standoffish. A lot of things are scripted. They use, um, you know, consultants and things like that. I think it's important to be out there. So I want to be available. People be able to, I mean, certainly with this filibuster, anybody who wants to see me and meet me could should be able to stop by and ask a question or something like that. And, uh, you know, I give out my mobile number, these kind of things. I think that's important. So I like the idea of just doing a real, real long speech and answering anybody's questions. You know, I, I do, I've done like three hour clubhouses before. You know, I think we could do just a long thing where anybody who wants to talk and, and or debate, you know, I don't mind debating either. You know, let's let's go for this. We, we've got a country to, to save. We've got to figure out what's going on in this world. and We've got to get it right. Definitely. Uh, it's interesting to see, like I said, I've watched several of your videos, not just from tw your Twitter feed, but from your YouTube channel. But uh, you definitely you definitely have a, like I said before, a clear message. You're you have good conviction. And it doesn't tip. I honestly, at this point, can't can't find something that would flap you. I cannot. I've yet to see it. Um, your your um, idealism isn't just ideal. It's definitive. It's working toward the goal of getting something done that you know will work as <laughs> you probably proved in your own life um i know you had one other question mike but i think i think we have another question from john um john says uh would you or john did you want to say it or do you can you not right now probably not okay um it says would you bring individuals from the private sector to fix much of the country's or world's challenges without special interest or political craft 
Yeah, well, if elected, I don't want to bring anybody anywhere. You know, senators don't bring too many people. You have a staff of, you know, 10 or 20 people, uh, you know, 10 or 15 people usually. Um, and, then, and, then they, and then they do have some role with appointments for ambassadors and, and things like that. They, they confirm them. But I, I don't really want to have more people involved in government. I want, I want people who, are just, who just want to dismantle the whole mess. I want people to go in there and, and just reduce it as much as they possibly can. That's what I would try and do, including with my own office. If I win as U.S. Senator, I want people to still call me Bruce. And I don't want to, I'm, not, I'm not going to spend my entire budget and I'm not going to give a whole bunch of jobs to cronies. And I'm sure as heck never going to vote for giving a whole bunch of taxpayer money to cronies. Uh, that's the whole problem. You know, we don't need, uh, we don't really, you know, I, w- I wouldn't want more people. I mean, to the extent that we do have people involved in government, I, I would love to have more people like me. I wish there was more people who are, uh, you know, leaders in their field or whatever, who have done things in their life, who would go into this process. It's a brutal process in some ways. But it's a rewarding process in many ways. So I wish more people would do it because we have a country to save. And it's important times, like I say. So, you know, I would encourage anybody, by the way, you know, it's it, it's easy to get involved. Everybody should be a little bit involved. Like, you know, if you're listening, just you know, think about running for office, maybe a small office or looking into what's going on locally and look into you know, think about running and look into what, what your local candidates are. Look them up. Look up when the, the primary is. Look up some of these lesser known elections like primaries and, and school board elections. A lot of these things are done on, you know, Tuesdays in the middle of some month somewhere. And, you know, 100, sometimes 150, 170 people show up, change the whole thing. It ends up costing you millions of dollars on your taxes for your, for your town. So these things matter. Or, you know, if you want to get involved, get involved with, with my campaign. Go volunteer, donate. You know, put put some money towards it, like like you mean it, and uh, you know, call some people, canvas. You get a feel for what politics is. You can, you know, anybody in the in the country, they could call up, call us up, get a call list, call a hundred voters in New Hampshire, and say, hey, I'm telling you about Bruce Fenton. Here's why. You know, these are the things you can do, and you can do them at a local level. You know, run for your local school board. You know, just, I mean, go in there and just raise raise some trouble. Go give a speech. You know, a lot of towns allow you to have public speaking. You know, write a letter to your elected officials, you know, these things do matter. You know, I know it's easy to be cynical and I'm, I'm as cynical as anybody. I don't even believe in government. I think the whole thing is stupid and I hate politics, but <laughs> if we don't do it, somebody else does it. You know, right. I could be able to mm-hmm. vote to cancel out Elizabeth Warren. And that, that is something that does count for something. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I want to make note that that, uh, actually came from one of our Twitch, uh, guests that that question did. Um, oh, something, great. something else that, um, well, his name in particular is Direct from Philly, uh, to give him credit. So thank you, Direct from Philly, for answer, for asking that question. Uh, the uh, the question I had was something that John and I talk about in, in the podcast on a regular basis, uh, which was kind of the adoption not just of CBDCs, but of Bitcoin itself into the national currency of certain countries. And in particular, I'm thinking of Venezuela. But uh, I noticed that India has been talking about this. Um, I can't think of the other countries at the moment i know china's rejected it but um it's kind of a i don't i don't believe that as a senator you will be directly addressing explicitly although you may have to vote on things in the future um but how do you feel about the idea of adopting them would you as a senator push like uh loomis and um can't think of her name the other uh gilbrand yeah um be pushing for um adoption of bitcoin as a national currency or the national currency yeah, I, I'm not a fan of that bill. You know, there was there was too many things in it that uh, kind of increased um, 
you know, overall. So, no, I wouldn't be in favor of any of that stuff. You know, I'm, I, I like Bitcoin, but uh, I just want these tyrants out of our business. And I, and I don't mean Cynthia Lomas. She's one of the great people that I would look forward to working with. But I'm talking about, you know, just overall government in general. The people who end up enforcing these things and the mountain of bureaucracy that is funded by theft from our wages and worker wages and our wealth, it is a terrible and tyrannical thing that causes a lot of death and destruction. I mean, it's, it's actual evil. You know, this isn't just us like, oh, hey, these people, I uh, disagree with them. It's actual evil. It's a whole big, I view it as one big giant system of government. You know, I don't differentiate the tiny little 1% of good things that might come out of government to the 99% of bad things or the 10% of utterly horrible, inhumane, terrible things death and destruction i mean this this is what we always must remember when we wield this tool of government you know whenever we we, we are waving around the biggest gun in the world so when anybody ever has an idea no matter how, how good like hey let's make bitcoin legal tender let, da, 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 you're waving around the biggest gun in the world you're waving around a gun that has killed millions and millions and millions of people killed two million iraqis in our lifetimes people some of them burned to death by phosphorus that was paid for by our our wages our wages. We worked to make money so that arms companies could buy phosphorus to burn Iraqis alive. Our work and our wages, when you're working day to day, many, many, many months of your year goes to taxes. And that tax goes to take people from their screaming children and put them in a cage and they don't see their father or their mother for a decade because the mommy or daddy had a forbidden plan. This is absurd, and it's sick, and it's great, great evil that has no place in our world. And that's what we have to recognize whenever we say, oh, those evil, you know, those evil world words of um, there ought to be a law, you know, and I don't care how good it sounds, a crypto law, whatever. No, we don't need any of it. We don't need any of it because it, it is fueled by a system that is partly evil. And, and the system itself is evil. Stealing money from workers' wages through inflation and printing money or through de direct theft called taxes. And then taking that and putting in this big centralized system where people without accountability can make decisions is evil. Because it's theft and because the, the lack of accountability means that somebody can get a little bit of graft here or there and then bang, you have two million people in Iraq die. And that's, a, that's an unconscionable thing. You know, there are people now, there are CFOs who wake up today really, really, really hoping that the drug war doesn't end because they're making $70,000 a prisoner per year for for-profit yeah. prisons. And there's yeah. publicly traded for-profit prisons. So the root of this is, is bad money and broken money and too much loss. So the answer to every single question about every single one of these things for me is the same. No. Absolutely not. I'll stand there and say no, and I'll vote no. I don't care how good it sounds. I like NASA. NASA's cool. I got soft spots for stuff. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a human being. I think NASA's <laughs> neat. But I don't think that, so what? Don't steal my neighbor's money because I think rockets are cool to look at. No, that's exactly. stupid, and that's actually evil because my neighbor might need their money right now. Right. And my, my neighbor might need to buy diapers. So screw my rockets and whatever I think is cool. And we need to look, everybody needs, and NASA is one of the only things that I think is kind of cool from government. But even though I think it's cool, it's not my right to steal money from, from you to pay for it. And 
all the other things I don't think are cool. I mean, I don't think most of what we are doing is, I don't think the DEA and the ATF are cool. I think the FBI does some pretty uncool things. The NSA mm-hmm. and the CIA do some pretty uncool things. So, you know, this is a big, horrible, evil mess. And I don't want to expand it in any way at all, no matter what. I'll vote no on everything. And I, and I certainly don't want to give them new powers with CB, CBDCs or anything like that, cool. you know? Along these lines, it sounds like transparency would be a clean, cool ideal for what you're getting at. I know that I've felt this for a long time. I've been paying taxes for almost 30 years um, uh, through you know the jobs that I've had. And uh, I, I think it's perfectly fine to have taxes. But I think one of the things that they made clear by the founding fathers when they started this country was not taxation without representation, but with. Now, I, I know some people are against that, and I'm personally against income tax. I wish we did it a different way. But that's not about this exactly. I just want to know about your thoughts about transparency of what Bitcoin. I know that you said this explicitly on your blog I've read where it said that you could be anonymous because nobody knows that your name is attached to that long hexadecimal string of characters that defines a Bitcoin address. But Bitcoin does define where the money goes and it's pretty clear what happens with it, where it goes and how it is going. Um, You may not know who it is that's making those transactions, but you do see where it's going. And if we particularly knew what, let's say, the government transacted pretty much everything it did on Bitcoin, we would see exactly where that money went, not necessarily who owned it. But how would, how do you feel? Would, how do you, how would, I'm going to rephrase my question. Um, how do you feel that this would be practical from a standpoint of cr- cryptocurrency can do for transactions? Do you feel that the U.S. government should be completely transparent with everything it does or no yeah they should they should be more transparent but you know i don't know if that'd do much good because there's a whole bunch of horrible horrible things that they do and nobody seems to care so it's not like you're gonna be like and now with the blockchain we have the smoking gun look look what they did they spent nine hundred thousand dollars on a toilet i mean we already (laughs) know that I mean, it's like, I mean, it's not like you're going to be like, aha, and then we uncovered, they told you they were helping the children and they actually were just doing government bureaucrats. I mean, you know, it's like, we already know these people are evil and horrible and they're stealing our money and using it for terrible stuff. It's not like we need more accountability. It's like, hey, wait a minute. You told me (laughs) where you were going to liberate the Iraqi people. How come it took you 20 years? Right. You know, I mean, nobody is sitting here asking the. It's not like it's not like a better ledger is going to make people say, "Wait a minute, Bin Laden's been dead for 15 years. How come we spent another trillion dollars in Afghanistan? Right. Like, what the heck were we there for? The guy wasn't even in that country. We went into that country because we thought Bin Laden was there, mm-hmm. which was stupid, by the way. You don't invade an entire country looking for one guy. You 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 do. I mean, you, you do a manhunt and you find the guy. You know, so it's just absurd on top of absurd. And then it's like, oh, now that he's dead, let's stay there another ten years. It's crazy. It's crazy. So so you know, people need to be outraged, and they're not going to care. And there, there's nothing that a blockchain's going to do that's going to say like, oh my gosh, you know, enough money to buy a million schools just went over and got blown up in bombs in Afghanistan. Nobody cares. And they will care right now when they go to their gas pump and they start to see six dollar gas and they start to see you know nine dollar bread and and you know you, you go to restaurants now everything's weird and broken how many people go to a restaurant and something's weird you know mm-hmm. i went to one they didn't have they yeah. didn't have they didn't have beef i went to went to a regular <laughs> mainstream thing and they're like no sorry no burgers we got mm-hmm. no beef you know this is a problem yeah. and uh and so so that's when people are going to start noticing 
and then they're going to then they're going to cut these things down. So it's a it's a, it's the idea of transparency is good, but it, but a better ledger isn't going to be the solution. What what's the solution is for people to look at the absolute abject waste that's already happening and have a philosophical idea to recognize that this is theft. This is a theft of their wages. You know, the idea that you need somebody else to take your money and spend it to help you is absurd because they're not going to help you. They're going to it's just going to be cuts on top of cuts on top of cuts. They don't need to do that. If it's a good idea, it doesn't need to be involuntary. If it's a great idea, they don't need to steal it from you. They don't need to put a gun in your face and say, hey, we're going to repossess your property if you don't pay it. If it's a good idea, we'll voluntarily do it, you know, and that and, you know, we're very generous people. Charity is very effective. And um, so I'm, I'm entirely against it. And we, we, we got to recognize, though, even even in the rare cases where you say, hey, you know, this is a good use of government or a good use of taxes. Always recognize that it, it, you're waving around the biggest gun in the world. You know, very dangerous thing. Yes, I, uh, I, it's a good point. I, I hadn't thought of it that way, and I appreciate that you have given it some thought and uh, would say that it's not really so much about transparency. It's about purpose and motive. And I think that would probably be accurate because the justice system, I would hope, would agree with you. Uh, I have one more question, I think, from, uh, yet again, the same Twitch uh, participant here. He's talking about the uh, New Hampshire uh, Liberty and Alliance and the Free State Project. He says, have you been getting the support you deserve from this organization? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I'm, I'm real friendly with, you know, certainly the Free State folks. Uh, um, you know, I know all of them well. And, uh, you know, Liberty Alliance, I'm definitely aligned. I haven't really formally talked. To, I don't know if they have a formal questionnaire I need or something. But, you know, the Liberty folks all know me. I, 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 I hope I don't take it for granted, but I assume that there are going to be informed voters. And, and I'm, uh, I'm as Liberty as a cat. You know, most, most free staters that I meet up here, you know, within half a second, if they don't know me already, they figure it out. I mean, I introduced myself as a Ron Paul Republican. I introduced myself as a free stater. You know, I got to live for your die. Uh, Yep. Uh, uh, Gazden flag snake thing on my, uh, uh, you know, on my campaign van, yep. you know? Yep. Yeah. So, um, yeah, but I do need to, here's the thing though. I need to bring out the vote, especially for the primary, which is, which is September 13th. Yep. So the Liberty folks, cause we probably have 40,000 Liberty people in New Hampshire. And if they show up, a lot of them don't show up to the primary because one, some of them are registered, most of them are registered independents. A lot of them vote libertarian only, or they don't vote at all, or they only vote in the general. But if we can get them to show up, they're allowed to vote in the Republican primary, um, as long as they're not a registered Democrat, and most of them aren't. So they can vote in the Republican primary for me on September 13th. Those 40,000 votes would be enough to win the thing. I mean, that's a big deal. If I can just, if I can turn out the Liberty vote, then I'll win the primary. And if I do that, I'll be the next U.S. Senator. How many votes would you need for that, the primary? Probably 65,000 or something based on the last, you know, the last time that it came through. So it's, so it's, it's a very, very winnable thing. It's a small state and it's a, it's a very winnable primary and a very winnable general election. So other than the primary vote, what's your biggest hurdle going through to be senator and how are you overcoming these hurdles? Yeah, that's the biggest thing is um, the political machine, I'd say, is the biggest thing I've got to overcome. You know, I came into this very resistant. I don't like political games. I don't like the, the game at all. I don't like the system. I don't like politics. I don't I don't like listening to consultants or, you know, I, I feel like a lot of it is just silly game playing. However, you know, elections are a thing and there are people who know how to win them and there's things that work and things that don't work. And you can't just sit in your in your house and do 
you know, uh, go on uh, Twitter and, and talk about the world and win. You know, you, you've got to get the word out. So there is a lot of sort of conventional campaigny political kind of things that you just sort of got to do. You know, you got to go around and meet a lot of groups and you've got to talk to certain people. And, you you know, there is there is a sort of sort of corniness to some of this stuff. And there's a there's a there's a, a self-centeredness, which I'm not comfortable with as a private person. You know, I don't like talking about myself. I grew out of that when I was in my 30s. You know, I I hadn't taken a selfie of myself in probably five years until three months ago. And I've probably taken 100 that's all I do now. Everything is about me, me, me. I can't even walk through my office. There's videos of me playing. My staff is editing <laughs> stuff. It's it's a bit much, you know. I, I'm not. A, I don't like to make it all about me. And I also don't like zero sum games, you know. I smacked down my opponent in the debate uh, yesterday because I had to. I had to because I I'm in a zero sum game. I got to beat him, and I I and he was he's he's wrong on his issues, and I got to call that out. Uh, but that's not what I do in my regular life. I'm not a tear down guy. I'm a I'm a building together guy. I try and find common ground with people. So there's a lot of the sort of classic aspects of politics. And then one of the one of them is money. Money's just a reality. These these elections are bought, yeah. and the people that buy them have a system. And the the people who don't don't have a voice. And there's a whole bunch of people like look how passionate the crypto community was about the the infrastructure bill when they were trying to slide that crypto provision in there. Yep. And but they're not active you know it's like there's a lot of people who are like oh i love it you know great good for you but they but they don't take that extra step and help and support it and stuff like that and that's too bad because it's it's like i wish you didn't i wish there wasn't money involved i don't want i don't want to ask anybody for money i wish i wish politics in general was different but it is what it is. And, you know, the, the old school Republicans and the Democrats and the establishment, you know, they've got this down and they, they'll they'll just basically buy votes with PACs and stuff like that. They'll go and advertise widely and just on pure name recognition, they'll get, you know, they'll get votes and they'll turn out the people. So there's a lot of things like that 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 are important. And, uh, you know, I've got a, um, you know, I just did my first fundraising video today. I hadn't done any, believe it or not, which is just crazy uh, because you do need to, you need to fundraise and you need to get supporters. You know, you know, you, you need, you, you know, you need that kind of thing. You need, you, you know, you need that infrastructure in a, in a campaign. Uh, you can't do it all yourself. It, it helps. So, uh, you know, that's, that's part of it. And it's uh it's, it's a process. And it's a very competitive sport, you know, so people who support me, you know, I'd say, you know, support me, you know, take an hour. If you can afford an hour of time, you know, volunteer, do something just, and the best way to do it is decentralized. Don't call us up and say, Hey, how can I volunteer? Go actually just do it. Just take two hours on a Saturday and say, I'm going to spend two hours just working on Bruce's stuff. I'm going to just share it to everybody. I'm going to, you know, post it on things in New Hampshire, talk to anybody I know in New Hampshire, share, you know, figure out a way, get the word out, you know, or donate is the best thing if you can do, you know, donate, get involved. These kind of things are very, very helpful. But, uh, you know, that's how you overcome the process. We got to stick together. It's not about me either. You know, it's about these ideas, you know, people who care about these ideas, whether you're, you know, a single issue crypto voter or you're just somebody who cares about liberty and freedom in general, or maybe you care about something entirely different. But you should be involved. You know, you should be involved and, and support somebody, you know, do a little bit to help somebody. And uh, it makes a big difference. You know, it makes a big difference because because there's a lot of real, you know, really well organized groups that are just made up of a bunch of people who donated 15 bucks and they share a newsletter. I mean, if you have if you have a if you have a thousand people who donate 15 bucks a month and they share a newsletter that is a national wrecking force. Like if, it's, if they're actually de- dedicated, all 1000 of them. That is a national like you you could get a you could get an audience with the president, all the presidential candidate. I mean you you could you could 
change the world with a thousand people. Yeah. But they got to be dedicated. You know, they got to be dedicated. And 15 bucks a month is not that much, but it's, it's, that'd be pretty significant, you know? So there's a lot you can do and you can do something with just a few people. So I, 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 it's been encouraging to be involved myself as a candidate. And I, I want to encourage other people to do it. U.S. Senate is a little crazy. It's the craziest thing I've ever done. I don't know if I'd recommend (laughs) U.S. Senate unless you got millions of dollars or, or well-known name, but you know, run for something, you know, run for, you run for Congress, mayor, governor, you know, state rep, these kind of things. So, um, we really appreciate all that you information you've given. It's actually a lot more than I ever thought I would get out of you saying. Uh, John yeah, John uh, said that he contacted you about six months ago and was interested in doing this interview. And so we're really grateful that we could get this interview with you. It's been a huge boon. Uh, we're, we're much grateful for it to have you on our channel and uh, get a chance to learn about your uh, platform and your ideals about Bitcoin. It's really great to hear. It's, it's all great to know. Uh, some, someone of your prominence and uh, candidacy and, and experience uh, with Bitcoin in particular um, to be on the, on the show. I mean, I've only been involved personally with all of cryptocurrency since mid-2014, and you, I think you've been doing it a little bit longer than that. Um, I know John's been doing it a little bit longer. I don't know how long it's been for Mike explicitly, but we're all, you know, been doing this for a while. Okay. Bitcoin so, was the first one I got into. So, in any case, the... Uh, we want to kind of wrap the show up, and we appreciate. I've been flashing uh, the, uh, the your Twitter your Twitter channel as well as your website up onto the screen the entire time. Um, and I just like to know if these are the best places for people to contact you and get in contact to uh, help you with your campaign. If that is true, then give us uh, give us your outro. Yeah, for sure. So uh, yeah, Twitter Bruce Fenton. Definitely check out the Twitter because I have some funny videos and some clips from the debate and stuff like that. So check out the Twitter and look at my last couple days stuff. And then my website, BruceFenton.com. You know, we can get accept donations and volunteers. If, you, if you're in New Hampshire, you want to vote or you hang out a sign or something, you know, contact us and, you know, follow my stuff, share it. And I appreciate it. You know, these are important times. And, and I hope that everybody is thinking about liberty and freedom and, and uh, you know, making our country as, as great as it can be. Awesome. Thank you so very much for being on the show, Bruce. We hope to have you back at some future time, maybe once you become uh, the senator for New Hampshire. You got it. So, All right. Thanks so much. Yes. Thank you very much. And we're going to end the show here in a second.